Hello, hello. My name is April Malone of Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Sari Ibrahim from Chicago, Illinois with us. He is a financial coach and advisor. Um, Sari, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? How did you get started um, working from home? I know you've done it for on and off 10 years. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and just tell us your story from the beginning. Yeah, April, thank you so much, first of all, for having me on your show. I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, yeah, I've been, I started working from home really um, right around the time I was doing my MBA. So I kind of got lucky because I was doing my MBA in project management. I thought I was going to be a project manager, but then I started to work with different insurance companies. I worked like my first professional job was at Allstate Insurance and in sales and marketing. And the advantages of being an insurance agent is that you, for the most part, get to work from anywhere in the world, really. You just need a phone and internet. Um, and obviously after COVID, it made things a lot easier, but this is way before COVID. Um, I had already had experience working from home and I still had an office setting that I would go to, but in the beginning, it was kind of like, uh, sometimes I work from home and then sometimes I'd go to the office and it really didn't make a big difference. Cause again, it was all over the phone. And then I thought, you know, I want to make this into a, a career. I wanted to go into financial advising as well as insurance, because I could also do financial coaching and financial advising also virtually. Um, and I, I worked at, as a Medicare consultant, same thing. It was all virtual for a couple of years. And then I found a company called financial asset protection, and I helped clients in all 50 States build wealth, protect wealth, also with insurance products, Medicare, all entirely. I do it all entirely from home, uh, virtually in all 50 States. And, and then, yeah, definitely. I have a home office and, um, a pot, like a little podcast studio. That's how I do the podcast as a guest. And as well as on my own show, thinking like a bank. And yeah, definitely. So um, feel free to ask me whatever you'd like. And, and I'm excited to be here. I want to double check and make sure I heard you correctly. You found a company or you founded a company called Financial <laughs> Asset Protection? Yeah, uh, founded, founded a company <laughs> called Financial Asset Protection. And how long ago did you do that? Um, about, about two years ago, actually right. officially started the company. And were you like transitioning out from like working under an employer at that point? Yeah. Yeah, good question. So I, I had been always um, kind of not always, but I had been doing kind of two um, different things. I was a full time employee. It's a W2 employee for different companies, as well as on the side, I had my um, my company, but it was all within compliance and the employer knew and other clients knew that kind of the relationship, what, what, how the relationship was structured. It was kind of two different work, like the Medicare side was that was the, the employee side. And then the self-employed side was the financial services side. So the conflict of interest didn't exist. It was okay. All right. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I recommend if you are, if you do want, if you do have a full-time job as a W2 employee and you want to start a business on the side, make sure you disclose it with your employer. And it's not like the same job you're doing on the side. It's like, for example, like you work at a company as a consultant and then you want to do real estate on the side, you know, something like that, something where it's kind of a different industry, different clientele, right. different demographic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You might have signed a no compete uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> agreement and not remembered or known or <laughs> didn't read it all the way through kind of thing. So, yeah. And then you mentioned earlier the beginning that you, when you were working for the insurance company, you could have worked anywhere in the world. And that is a little bit unique um, as were you an, a WT employee at that time too? Cause I know a lot of times taxes, like they really need to know exactly where you're living. And that's a little bit tricky to be like nomadic and moving around. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of a little tricky. Yeah. So um, I tech, I was a W2 employee. I had to be in the United States. I had to actually be, yeah, I had to be in the United States when I was the employee, but I thought like in general, just being an insurance agent and financial advisor, you could technically do that anywhere in the world because you're self-employed. Mm -hmm. uh, you would be self-employed at that point and you would own your own company. Your company would yeah. be located in one of the 50 States. And then you could access 
um, the company, you could pretty much do work virtually as long as you have a phone, a US phone number, and then access to all of the domains for the insurance companies and financial institutions. Right. Also double check with your company and make sure that they're cool. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. 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 But if you, I guess if you're the boss, then you make the rules, right? Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have been working as an independent contractor for a couple of companies, just teaching English to kids yeah. in China, essentially. And one of them allowed you to live anywhere and you'd make the same rate. Um, wow. The other one, you had to disclose where you lived or they'd figure it out from your IP address. And they were, they were pretty smart with the VPNs. They, they could figure that out. So some people would try to move from a low cost of living area um, or from a high cost of living area into a yeah. low cost, you know, like from, say, you know, the States to like the Philippines, yeah, and for sure. they would, they would get their pay cut. They would go down to the local rate, um, which is supposedly competitive for each market, but you know, um, standard of living would be very different. Oh my God. Like more than 10 times different yeah. between the so, U S and Philippines. Yeah. yeah. But, um, all those companies are struggling right now because of, um, regulations in China that are changing. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, that's a long story. So anyway, let's talk about you. <laughs> um, so you are working out of Chicago, Illinois. Have you always been there? Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Chicago, uh, born and raised here. And yeah, I live here in the city and I've always lived here for sure. And went to school there and everything. Yeah. Everything here. My whole life is here. <laughs> Did you ever work? You said you worked kind of a hybrid situation, um, part half one leg in one leg yeah. out of the yeah. home office. Um, did you ever work solely in a brick and mortar office? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I kind of always been bouncing around between uh, either a W2 employee or a consult or a contractor or owner of a business, actual business. So mm -hmm. between those three kind of always interchangeably bouncing around. Yeah. So there were times where I actually had to go to like a nine to five like office where I had to be there Monday through Friday, nine to five. Yeah, I've done that too. Um, <laughs> and and how how did you end up transitioning? Um, you wanted to talk a little bit about what that felt like, you know, when you decided to go. I mean, do you currently have one leg in a W two as well? No, or yeah, well, right or now just one hundred percent self employed. So yeah, so it's a good question. So the transition from being a W two employee and part time business owner to full time business owner and no other W two connections at all um, was a scary move, obviously, because there's no more like guaranteed bi-weekly pay, um, that there was kind of this, the scarcity behind that. But at the same time, um, you kind of have, I mean, if you're in that situation, you kind of really have to prioritize like your, the pros and cons for doing something and, uh, and then really like, um, drill down on your objective. Like, what is it you want to do? Like what I, what I had really wanted to do, like, um, from the time I got my insurance license, to uh, the time I worked at Allstate and these different companies, I started to think a lot like, okay, like I could be independent, number one. Number two, I could be, um, I could practice insurance and financial services in any of the 50 states. So that got me thinking. So I, you know, the, in my opinion, the most lucrative and the most financially beneficial thing you could do is be independent and have no territorial limitations. So that when I had those, when I, I mean, found, when I like checked those two things off of my list, I was there. That's what I want to do. Now, the only ways I would be able to do those two things, if I own the business, if I can make those decisions, because everywhere else, they're going to have their own rules. You have to still abide by some of their rules and how you practice and where you practice and what type of insurance. But I wanted no limits. I wanted no caps on that to be able to do all types of insurance if I wanted and all types of financial planning. And again, you have to be self-employed, independent and have no territory requirements for that. So when I made that move, yeah, it was scary. But at the same time, I knew that I was going to fulfill my uh, initial objective, something that I wanted to do. And the reason why I wanted to do all that 
was ultimately to make more money. And then why I wanted to make more money was to have more financial freedom, to be able to travel more, to be able to, to do more things in life, take care of my family um, by having more money. So that's kind of like the alignment of whys. And I think that's really important. And when you have that alignment of whys, it makes it easier to make that scary jump. Right. And having like any kind of safety net or something like that is also yeah. probably helpful. Um, did, <laughs> yeah. did, it, did it take a while for you to feel like you were secure again? Yeah. So yeah, for sure. So that's a good point. Yeah. When you go from, that's a perfect example. When you go from W2 and then you go to completely self-employed, 100% self-employed, no other sources of income except for the income you produce. Um, yeah. You, there's a couple of different things you need. And this is something we, I do with as a financial coach, something I do with clients. So Number one, you either need like six months of your all your expenses um, in a reserve. So if your monthly expenses are like $5,000, you would need at least $30,000 on the side. So this way, when you start your company, then you could pay yourself like $5,000 a month out of that account as if it was a, a monthly paycheck or biweekly paycheck. And then by the time that account runs out, you would hopefully have made more money from your company. That's one angle. And then the second thing you could do is um, get access to like low interest or 0% interest financing. There's a different, this is, this is kind of a little bit risky to do this. This is something I did. So I used uh, like a credit card with like a $20,000 line of credit for 0% interest for the first year, that along with the reserves also, and then raising capital from like family, friends, or other business associates. That's also depends on the company you own, the industry you're in. Um, most of the time, it's not going to be applicable to people because in order to really raise capital, uh, you kind of need some structure already. Even if it's a startup, you still need like business plan, budgets, forecasts, project management, all these different things. And a lot of new startup business owners don't really have those things. So it's going to be a little bit tricky to get there. Not right. impossible, but just a little bit tricky. Yeah. That yeah. you have something that's uh, in demand. Exactly. Yeah. And then even the access to those investors is a little bit tricky in itself. Like you have to have the referrals and all that. They don't just talk to usually anybody. So it could be a combination of one of those three. So either the reserves, access to low interest money or raising capital. Um, or even uh, the fourth one is having like a part-time side hustle, something that you could do on the weekends or something outside of normal business hours. See, that this is why it can get tricky when you have like a, a nine to five job and then you also want to start a business. Not only could it conflict with your company and com compete with your company, but also logistics wise, like time wise. Like, for example, if you work nine to five and then you want to meet with a banker or you want to meet with a, a potential employee or investor or partner, it's probably going to take place between Monday to Friday, nine to five within your business hours. So your part time side hustle should be outside of those hours. This is how people do Uber and Lyft and why they do Uber and Lyft and like yep. work part time on weekends. So that way they can use that money to fund their business during the week. So there's kind of four different ways. And those are, for me, it was one of two ways. It was the reserves and then borrowing low interest money. Uh, third, third, I never raised capital from outside investors. And then fourth, I didn't really have any part-time side hustles um, except for my real full-time job and the, the business on the side. So it was mostly one and two for me. Right. So that's a lot to digest. Um, I'm yeah. curious if you have, and so these are, I'm not in either sector. Like I yeah. don't know insurance and I don't know finance. So I'll be asking mm -hmm. some kind of like newbie questions here. Yeah. Um, do you, so you were saying, and I, I guess I do have some friends who are insurance agents and yeah, there's always that thing that like I am authorized to work within these so many States. Yeah. How was it that you were able to secure all 50? Like, was that literally something that's connected to each business or company? Yeah. So the way I'm able to do all 50 States is okay. So there's something called independent agent and then there's captive agent. So independent means that I can go to any insurance company and get a contract with them and then ask to sell their products. 
Okay. Sometimes there's some loops you have to go through. You have to actually like qualify to sell their products. You have to go through like an interview process and actually get accepted. Other, most of the time they want, obviously that's one of their sources of growth is by having outside um, like sellers. So that's on the independent side. I could go to any company and sell for them. Um, if I was captive, I can only sell for one company or for some companies that are affiliated with the company that I have a captive agreement with. That's one part of the captive side. And also they're typically territories. So like, for example, if you are an Allstate agent or State Farm agent, typically you can only write in one state. If you want to write in other states, you have to get permission from your carrier that you're appointed by. Um, so the way I kind of do all 50 states is by not having any uh, direct affiliations with carriers. I'm not captive to any companies. I'm completely independent. So that opens up the opportunity to do all 50. Plus in the insurance business, I only have to do the test in my home state, the licensing and the testing in my home state. And then every new license I get in different different states is just, I go on a website and I buy the license. So for example, I'm in Illinois. I have a client in California. I just go to the national website for the web insurance producers and then buy the California license. I don't have to go to California and take a test there. So that also opens up the ability to do it nationally. So industry-wise, industry-wide wise, um, it's it's you have the ability with insurance to do it in all 50 states. If I was like uh, a mortgage broker, very difficult to do it in different states. A lot of mortgage okay. brokers are only have like one or two states. But yeah, that's how I'm able to do it. Okay. Well, that's yeah, the captive thing. Like that's quite the word, you know. Like, <laughs> ooh, yeah, that's pretty descriptive. Yeah. Um, and then as far as um, finding your clients, are you yeah. finding people that need financial help and insurance help? The same people, and you're doing both for them, or are they kind of separate? Yeah, they're kind of separate. Sometimes they overlap, but yeah, for the most part, they're kind of separate. And I have different ways of coming across those clients. Like one way is our podcast, Thinking Like a Bank. You know, that helps me generate leads. Also doing guest appearances like this on other people's shows that also helps me get my name out there. It helps people go to our landing page and then work with us. Um, I also have like referrals from other businesses I've done in the past, like my Medicare client, Medicare book of business. I, I, they, I've gotten referrals from them from other Medicare products as well as financial. So it's kind of like a di a, a, many different ways you know, from our website, email marketing, LinkedIn, all kind of funneling together. And obviously when you are working from home and you're self-employed and you own your company, you need that, that is 80% of the business is lead generation and finding new clients. 20% of it is only going to be technical stuff and uh, really drilling down the industry. But 80% of that is going to be finding new clients. That's going to be the vast majority. It's going to be the most important thing because it's not like I have a billboard or like, you know, a street front office where people could just drive in and, and deal with me. I have to like, do everything virtually in all 50 states and figure out ways to connect with people um, and to unhelpfully hope help them reach their goals and their objectives all done, you know, virtually. How do you connect with people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I connected people um, either over the phone or over zoom and they go, they can go to like, for example, my landing page, finassetprotection.com. They can schedule a, a call there. They can also find that link from our podcast, thinking like a bank. They could go to um, uh, our YouTube channel, LinkedIn. Uh, what else is there? So once they go through that, they go through the email system, our email newsletter. Mm -hmm. um, they can jump on a call with me and let's see what else is, how else is there to connect with me? Yeah. It's going to be phone or zoom. Would you usually say it's like a 50-50 that people prefer a phone versus Zoom or do you try to do the face-to-face -face meeting like this? No, most of the time people initially want to do phone first. Uh -huh. They're like 80% okay. they want to do phone just because they're they're already kind of, they don't know you, they don't want to jump on video. Sometimes people are like, let's just go right into Zoom. And that's fine. Yeah, I, I'm open to either way. 
Um, in the beginning, it doesn't really make a difference. I think when we start talking about their financial planning and their solutions, yeah, then people want to see video. They, they feel more comfortable seeing the actual person, especially when I mean, you have to think about it. Like we're, I'm doing virtual cases with people and sometimes people are, are going to invest like $50,000 a year over the next 20 years. So they want to be able to like, actually know that person. And this is what the podcast is for. The yeah. podcast is for to build that rapport to build that trust with people and then yeah. from clients that I help and then to get referrals from them and testimonials and it's definitely an ongoing process but I love it I, I I've always in the back of my mind I've always thought of you know the ability to work from home and own your own company entirely like if you, if you think of American Express like American Express really never had an actual physical they probably have some offices or throughout the country that you can go to some branches but for the most part they started off as a virtual company you know a lot of insurance companies a lot of banks did things virtually a lot of like um uh professional service companies started off even since like the 90s we're doing everything virtually over online and through phones and fax so i've all i've always been attracted to that and i've always wanted to do that and pursue that kind of lifestyle i don't think i ever really thought about it that way but you're probably <laughs> right you probably know more than i do about that um, we, when you're building trust with someone, do you have any tips? Like a lot of people now are having to build relationships with people virtually yeah. on the phone, on video. Um, you know, how much of your personal life do you let leak in to help build that rapport? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. So you definitely want your person. So you want to start off with you first, like, like, for example, um, if you are an accountant, you know, you want to first and you want to build trust with people. You want to talk about yourself, your life, your back background story, your family, and why you got into accounting and why you're helping people and how you're doing that. And then get into your products and services and the commodity part of it, like the cost of it and, and all those other things. And I think a lot of people flip those where they come in talking about like, I'm just an accountant. I just do numbers. I just do, you know, I, I help people. This is how much I charge. And they think that their backstory and their personality is irrelevant at that point because they're very business focused, they commoditize mm -hmm. and business focused. And it's not supposed to be like a commercial. It's supposed to be like entirely your story. And then why? And people love like to build trust with people. The, the people's favorite answer is why they love the question. Why, um, why you want to do something. And, you know, when you identify, when you explain your why to people, people are more attracted to that. So I think like, why is like the, the most favorable question people have? It's the most personal and the widest question somebody could ask. So explain that, talk about your why and why you got into something like that. And for you, it's about helping people. It sounds like. Yeah, definitely. I help people find financial freedom in life. I help them connect with their goals and I help them either solve money problems they're having, like ha having, like getting out of debt, buying a house, things like that. Or also if they have a surplus of capital that they want to deploy places, I also help them with that. So either good problems or bad problems financially. And why would someone choose an independent uh, person like yourself uh, versus, you know, a tried and true big bank or something like that? Yeah. Um, so, so you want, you know, again, this is my opinion, but you want it, somebody who's independent because like, for example, I don't have a boss right now telling me that I have to sell for this company and I have to sell this product in most situations in financial services, it's the other way around. And in most situations, it's going to be captive. Like for example, if you went to, um, I mean, I really don't want to name any companies. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> if I mean, you went yeah. to, be safe. <laughs> yeah. If you went to, for example, ABC mutual fund, you know, the advisor you're speaking to it could only sell ABC mutual fund. They could only sell for the company ABC. And the only type of product they could sell is typically going to be a mutual fund. So those two things might not be a good fit for you. What if, what if you don't want to do a mutual fund? What if you wanted to do something completely different than a mutual fund? The fact that you're talking to that advisor now, that the only thing, the only thing they could sell you is the mutual fund from ABC company. 
um, that's going to limit your ability to do different things. And they're putting their interests before yours. They're saying how, what products can I sell? Where can I sell them? Whereas when you go to somebody who's completely independent, I can listen to the client. A client could tell me, Hey, I want to do passive real estate investing in self-storage facilities in Texas. And I can help them. I can connect them with somebody who could do that exact same thing, who could do that thing because they're passionate about commercial real estate and they want those types of returns and they're attracted to that. And then vice versa, you know, if they wanted to do um, other, I, I don't have to think about what I could potentially sell them before they talk to them. I can have a complete unbiased, I could take an unbiased view at their financial situation, which is how it should be. That's like saying you go to a physician and the physician can only prescribe like two or three medications to you. So anything you say is going to result in those two or three medications. And that's not how it should be. It should be the physician could prescribe essentially any type of drug for you, as long as it's relevant for you and it's going to help you. What's best for you. Yes, exactly. What's best for you. So opens up so many doors that others might be limited in. Okay. Um, let's talk about working out of Chicago. Uh, do you live in an apartment? Do you live in a house? Do you live in a busy area? Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So I, I live, I live in the city of Chicago. I live in an apartment in the city of Chicago and I'm, we're actually like days away from closing on a house in the suburbs, about like 45 minutes away from where we live now. So yeah, I live in a busy area in Chicago. I live in a, um, right off of the lake in a apartment building with like 500 units. Um, so luckily our apartment is kind of spacious. So I have, I, I have like a off a home office in here and it's also my podcast studio. And, um, yeah. And when we moved to one of the, one of the reasons why we're moving to the house in the suburbs is obviously for more, for more room. That's one of the reasons why people move from Chicago, the city of Chicago, inner city to the suburbs is because you can get way more space for less value. Like the cost of like a one bedroom condo is equal to, in the city is equal to like a four bedroom house in the suburbs. So we're, that's why we're moving is I can have like more room, a bigger office and more space. And then even maybe I've thought about getting an actual, I've thought about getting an actual um, office, like um, storefront office or in a, in a professional building. But then I think like, I don't really need it at this moment because I'm operating completely fine. So that's something I might potentially do. Maybe if I, I have employees now, they're also virtually too. They're also virtual too. But maybe if I have some employees who prefer to come to an office, I might consider that angle in the future. Yeah. Or possibly consider like a co-working space or yeah, definitely for sure. conference room here or there. Um, this has come up actually a few times in the most recent episodes that I've recorded. Um, you know, like I actually was recording with someone yesterday and it came up, like some people feel like, you know, working from home is less in some way and having that storefront office is more, yeah. you know, that it has a legitimacy to it. But honestly, I feel like it's kind of getting flipped and all of a sudden now the ability to work from home is the luxury. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're, you said you already have a house picked out. So uh, yeah. what, what kind of setup will you have that's different from what you have now? Yeah. So I will have actually more, like I'll have the actual, my, my own office. And then I'll have like another, I'm thinking about separating the podcast studio from the uh, office. And this is kind of some things you have to kind of think about like lighting and like sound wise. So I might have the podcast studio like in the basement and then I might have my office upstairs. So that's kind of the difference is I get to separate the home office from the student, from the studio. I might just do everything in the, in the, in the meantime, but I'm going to test it out and see how I can have, um, how I can kind of have everything come together. Sound wise, lighting and all those other things. And internet. Because, um, you know, are you going to be connecting with Ethernet? Are you going to be using a mesh? Are you, how are you going to get just as high speed Internet down in the basement as you will have up in your office? 
No, I didn't think about that actually. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I, I work in a closet and I have my router in the same room as me because I like okay. to be connected with ethernet. And especially uh, when you do your podcast, is it all audio or do you also have um, a video component as well? It's always video, video and audio. The video okay. part goes to YouTube and then the audio goes everywhere else. So yeah, it's yep. always going to be, it's always video and audio. We have the same setup right now. And um, you have to listen to my last episode because I actually um, interviewed a guy who is a podcast expert and he has mm -hmm. a podcast hosting system um, or sorry, company. Um, and he was talking a little bit about how sometimes, you know, the audiences yeah. on YouTube are going to be different from the audio, but right now I'm just throwing mine on both places. <laughs> and it's the same. <laughs> so yeah, keep, definitely keep that in mind as far as, you know, um, how can you have the fastest speed connection, especially when you're doing, like, if you're doing with, are you interviewing people or are you just recording your own? Yeah. So all my episodes now are completely, are, are all entirely, um, interviews. So I always, I'm always interviewing somebody else on my show. I have yet to do a solo episode, but I still, I want to, I want to do a solo episode, maybe the episode 33 or 34, maybe the next couple episodes might be mm -hmm. solo, but for now it's all interview style podcasts. When I, when I do a solo, I can record differently than I do when I have an interview. Um, I could record just directly into the computer. Mm -hmm. um, rather than having to, you know, <laughs> you know, make sure that my internet and your internet are both, you know, stable enough to be able to, to pull it off without glitches and sync problems and things like that. So yeah. Um, solo interviews are, are interesting, but your solo in episodes are interesting because you don't get to feed off of each other. You're just, you're feeding off yourself. <laughs> You yeah. Can do it. <laughs> I, I just think that I'm kind of nervous doing a solo, like just talking like I, this is my thing, though, like my strength is I can speak to people all day long, like have yep. interviews, either being interviewed or interviewing people, no problem. But when it comes to me speaking by myself on a camera, at just talking mm -hmm. to myself, it's very difficult for me. I need more practice in that area. Uh, so that's kind of the reason why I haven't done any solo episodes. Some people are completely the opposite. They could do only solo. They mm -hmm. love talking to their, especially a lot of YouTubers. They love just doing their own camera, their own video, yep. um, you know, and then they, they don't really like interview styles. So I'm the opposite. It is actually kind of handy to have um, a couple solo episodes in your back pocket. Um, at yeah. least if you have something that you're brewing on that you can think that you could talk about for the length of your episode. Yeah. Um, so that if your interview falls through, um, you know, you have something that you can stay on your schedule. Um, mm -hmm. I have done it a couple of different ways. Um, oftentimes when I've done a solo episode, I end up doing it twice and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll remember all the things I forgot I wanted to say. Cause I just am working off like a bullet points or something like that. Um, then I'll be like, oh, dang it. I wanted to add this and that. And the other thing, and then I'll record it again. The trick with recording it the second time is that I can't remember what I already said <laughs> versus what I'm saying now. Um, so, you know, taking a break and doing it a couple of days later is helpful. Um, so moving into the city um, or moving out of the city into the suburb, it sounds like you're going to have a few other changes. Can you think about, um, you know, are you, are you ever seeing anybody in person as far as your work is concerned or is it all hundred percent virtual? It's like 99% virtual. The 1% is usually like close family and close friends. Like I have some friends, we go out to dinner, we all talk about business. So that's the 1% time, okay. but the rest majority, it's going to be virtually, even sometimes with family and friends, we do it virtually because they're busy. And like, they might need, we might need to do some, we only, we only have like a few hours to like hang out. So we don't want to fill that up with business. So we just mm -hmm. schedule outside of that time to do it virtually. So that's another advantage of doing things virt virtually is that you could do more things, even with people you see face to face. When you move, will you be closer or further from those friends and family? Um, Kind of half and half, half my life is here in the actual city and then half of it is out in the suburbs. So pretty much half and half, it's going to be a trade-off, but um, it's going to be, I think overall, it's going to be easier 
to move around. Um, Chicago, it's like a very dense city. Parking is terrible. Uh, there's traffic always. Like, for example, in the city of Chicago, like one mile in the city is a big deal. That's like a long distance, one mile. Right. That could take you half, like that's that's a big portion of your day gone in traffic. Whereas mm-hmm. in the suburbs, you could just, you know, there's roads everywhere that you could just fly around on going like 50 miles per hour. So you can get around quicker. You can go to stores, you can go shopping, you can go to the gym, all just parking wherever you want is parking is no problem in the suburbs. But in the city, you have to really think about like, oh, I don't want to lose my parking spot. Oh, I have to, there's going to be a lot of traffic. Oh, there's going to be a parade. Yeah. yeah, there's oh, going to be a festival, you know, <laughs> the street is going to be closed, you know, the yeah. National Guard might be in town. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that was, <laughs> one, that, that was one problem we had last year with the, like in 2020 with the looting, like literally it was like a military base you know mm. uh so it sounds like you do have a car yeah. um, so that won't change um have you been using public transport much as well um no i either walk places bike ride bike ride a lot throughout the city and then sometimes like uber lyft around around the city but yeah public transportation not really just because of uh usually people who work take public transportation to places like they work certain places in the city, but I never really needed to like, just for like, Oh, just for like one, one place to go to. Mm-hmm. And let's talk a little bit about your perfect day. Like when you are waking up in the morning and you're like, I'm going to get my work done, but I also want to have like work-life balance. What does that look like for you now? And how do you think it might change as you move? Yeah. So now like a good day for me now is just waking up like six o'clock in the morning, getting work done like starting to wind down the day by like three thirty, four o'clock, going to the gym, finishing up. That's like a productive, good day. And then when I go to the suburbs, I wanted to be a little bit similar to that. I want to, like, I've always wanted to complete my whole day, whether it's um, all my work stuff, all my non-work stuff, like paying bills, calling people like outside of work and the gym all before five o'clock, just because I know that in the evening, it's only going to be if you only have like a short period of time, like for dinner, for hanging out with your family and doing other things, you only have a short window. So I want to keep all the um, work stuff, non-fun stuff outside of the evening hours that way I can just free it up. So that's kind of like in my eyes, in my mind, like a perfect day. And then of course, you know, getting the top priorities done, checked off the list. And the top priorities are um, like, is helping your business move. And then what that means typically is for a lot of business owners is, you know, our sales where you want, our leads where you want, marketing where you're at, like the, you know, I hate to say, but are the dollars, like, are, are you making money? Are, that's the top priority usually for businesses. And not, not to say that business is all about money, but it's to say that, are you surviving financially as a business owner? And are those things checked off? And then if so, then you can move on to the other non-urgent, non-important tasks. So uh, a while back, I had you fill out my guest interest form and you said it's all about, let's see, it's all about time management, priority and focus. Do you want to expound on that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So it's, you know, working from home, a lot of people who struggle, you know, they struggle working from home is you don't, you're not, you're not at a company, you're not in an office building, you know, it could be very easy. Most people get distracted. And I did too work from home in the beginning. There's a lot of distractions because technically you could just do whatever you want, anytime you want. Um, as, you know, until, until your boss finds out. So one of the ways you have to have a lot of like strategies and, and things in place to keep you motivated and keep you focused. Like one thing I do is I write out all my tasks every day from my calendar. So I log, so every morning I log into my calendar. I look at all my tasks. Let's just say there's 10 of them. They're all in their own individual time slots. So I'll take those 10 and then copy them into a checklist. And I write them down. Now, people might ask, isn't that redundant? You're just going to copy the calendar tasks onto paper. And yes, it could be just redundant, but I like to keep 
I like to start with activity in the morning, get my mind moving, and then just kind of reading off the tests, writing them. And there might be some other tests that are not on the calendar, but still need to be on the to-do list. For example, like the podcast to do today with you, like podcast with April, you know, it's not just that, but also prep podcast with April. So that's two tasks from one thing. So I would write that in prep, check that off and then move on to the next, next task. And another thing too, is that no matter how busy I am, I only do one task at a time per time slot. So like right now, it's just you and I on this podcast. Even if I have a hundred other things to do, it's just you and I, I block this out. Everything else comes after or before this time slot. So these, having these things are really important uh, for being productive, getting things done and staying focused. And um, the way you start your day typically is the way the day will end. So if you start your day off on like TikTok and YouTube and like social media, um, it's probably going to be, it's going to progress that way throughout the day. But if you start off in the morning with your calendar, and then I always do the easiest tasks, like the first four or five tasks that are super easy in the beginning. Cause this way, like, for example, check financial tracker done, check email calendar done, check, um, you know, these simple things that take two or three minutes to do. But once I already have like 20, 20 lists done, and then the, th- the, the top four or five already checked off. Now I'm on a roll now. Now that already woke me up. I woke up myself by getting things done. And it's just like a matter, like I'm almost tricking myself to do the more complicated ones as fast as I do with the same momentum as the easier tasks. You sound like a motivated person. (laughs) (laughs) What what kind of hangups do you have? Like what will get you off track? Yeah. um, What will get me off track is um, like, if I'm closing like a really big case and the cl- like we can't we can't move forward there's some sort of hurdle where we're coming across either from my end or from the client or both that's really the the only thing that will really like kind of ruin my day and kind of throw off all the momentum but mm-hmm. one thing to keep in mind is that like out of all the things you do throughout your day there are certain things that you have control over and certain things you don't have control over for example right. like i could say call client i can control that task but i can't say um, close deal with client where in which the client has to send me a check. I can't control what the client is doing. However, to reduce that stress and anxiety, I'm only going to focus on my control. What are, what are the things that I can control? The verbs that I can control, not the verbs that other people can control. So that's something that people kind of mix up to is like, what if nobody buys from you? Nobody would trust you. You know, that's on them. Well, you could, you can apply your tasks to make sure that you increase the likelihood of those things happening. I want to change gears a yeah. little bit, unless you have anything else you want to add. <laughs> no. I do like to just ask people a little bit about their um, home office setup. And I know you've talked about like where in your home you have it set up right now. So you've got your, your home office and your podcast studio in the same room. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of equipment have you given yourself? Cause you used to work for companies. Did they give you like a laptop that you were schlepping back and forth from the home office to your um, onsite location? Um, And when you went to work for yourself, did you end up having to buy equipment for yourself? What did you do for yourself to set up a good workspace? Yeah, good question. So when I was working for companies, I was using their computers, but I always had to give those back once I left. So now I have a laptop. So I have a laptop. Sometimes I get bored of working at home and I'll go to like a nearby like Starbucks or Panera Bread Mm -hmm. and just do the work there and um, bring my laptop with me. And then I also have like a PC set up. Um, a desktop computer so that I have it there if, I, if I'm going to be doing like more on an office setting work. And then I have my Yeti microphone right here, kind of like yours, I think, mm-hmm. but just Mine not the same upside down. Upside down. <laughs> yeah. I need to get, that's the next step. I need to get something that's closer. And I have uh, a ring light. I have my iPhone as a camera. Cause I think like the quality is a little bit better with the iPhone camera. And I have an app that connects that to my PC or my laptop. 
Um, what else do I have? What app is that? I have not actually met anyone who's done that before. Yeah, it's called I R I U N Iron Irian, something like that. I R I U N. It's an app that connects your um, camera to your your iPhone camera. It makes it, it turns it into a webcam pretty much. I will say your camera looks good. Um, <laughs> what would your alternative have been? Like the in the in in laptop mic or yeah in laptop mop yeah the, it kind of um camera. it's hard to get lighting with the in laptop mic and the quality i mean it depends on the laptop camera. Mic, but for the most part yeah the camera <laughs> uh the angle too of how like it's on the computer you have to keep like playing with the angle and the lighting mm-hmm. so i just get the ring light and then the uh camera separate and then i could just the move around over. on like a tripod type thing where it's like connected yeah, yeah. um inside of the ring light okay yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's on. It's so the rig light has like a, uh, a tripod thing where you could add the phone inside. Yep. That's how. That's how yep. I'm talking to you right now or speaking to. I have. Mic- uh-huh. I have that whole rig except for I have my computer facing a wall. Um, mm-hmm. there's a wall behind me and there's a wall in front of me because I'm in a closet and so yeah. there's just like not a lot of space and so I have a hard time finding a way to set up the tripod behind my camera or oh, behind okay. my my computer. So that's okay. where I get hung up. <laughs> Sounds like a good setup. Um, do you you have your back to a wall and then you have your desk in front of you? Yes. Yeah. And um, why did you choose that format? And I think I know why, but why did you choose that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, so that's another thing too, is that like, I wanted to have like a library in the background, but I don't have a library right now, like a, like a bookshelf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's kind of, you know, I wanted to have something kind of plain in the background, but not too plain. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the thing is this right here is a, obviously a window right here. If I open it, it's going to bring in more light. And if I bring mm-hmm. in more light from the window, then it's going to take away from the ring light. So I make yep. it as dark as possible in the room and then take in, use a ring light to for the lighting because I think the lighting is better around the ring light than it would be from the natural light. That makes sense. Are you sharing a household with anyone else right now? Yeah, I'm married. Yeah, yeah. My wife. Okay. Yeah. So one thing that I've I advise people is like, if you do have your your back to a door that yeah. person behind you could just walk in at any yeah. point and be on camera. So I, I like to put myself up against a wall um, for that reason, because I've got, yeah. you know, husband and children who could walk in at any point. And that way it gives me a little bit more control over what my clients or my guests can see. Yeah. It's like those, all those, like in the beginning of COVID, all those like bloopers that people had, like working from home, like <laughs> too many. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, when they say you can work without pants, they don't literally mean you should do that when you're on camera. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and so what are you going to think about when you're setting up in your new office? Yeah, definitely the bookshelf in the background. I lo- I've always loved that. I read a lot of books, so I kind of yeah. want to, I want to have that like, like part of my identity of, of who I am uh, in the background. And um, let's see what else. Yeah, that's pretty much it. the background, the space. Um, it's also going to be further away from everything. Like right now, like the office is like, right. It's a, it's an apartment. So everything's mm-hmm. kind of on the first floor, whereas mm-hmm. the home office is going to be like separated. Like I'm going to have the office on the third floor and then everybody's, everybody's going to probably be hanging out on like the second floor mm-hmm. um, or even the, the, the lower floor. So there's going to be more space in between me and then everybody else in the home, which I'm, you know, we're, we're looking forward to it because sometimes like when I do these, for example, the, you know, as you know, Yeti mics pick up everything, like gotta turn the game way down (laughs) they pick up everything like if you live in an apartment they can pick up your neighbors talking it's really creepy but you have to consider these things and when my wife is my wife is a nurse and she works like crazy hours like she'll work like saturday sunday monday and then be off the rest of the week 
And so sometimes when I'm doing this podcast, she can't like watch TV or she can't be on the phone. So she has to like go out and do other things. So it kind of, we have to make those arrangements for podcasting. Mm -hmm. But I think when we move into our house, we could do more things like soundproof. We could do, we have more control over that part. Right. Right. Yeah. We, um, I have to make an announcement every time I'm going to be, I'm going to be recording, you know, Hey everyone, I'm going to be in a meeting. You gotta, you know, basically don't come upstairs. Don't come in my door. Don't knock on (laughs) it. Don't, you know, like, um, I've always joked that like, if I ever put my hand up, I love you very much, but this just means that you need to wait. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Um, we had it for a while where if I was recording a podcast, my internet just was not enough to handle it if anyone was streaming or if my husband was also in a Skype meeting or something like that. I think they just switched from Skype to Teams. Um, But yeah, it's just like, it was really hard to have two people doing the same, you know, thing at the same time. And now it's getting a little bit easier because I've been able to boost my internet. We don't have fiber where I live, but we have close, like it's like the giggle blast or whatever they call it. And that has given my husband the freedom to be able to like use his phone again while I'm recording or to, you know, maybe even stream Netflix. We try not to, but it's a possibility. So, all right. Well, any thoughts about, um, I guess I do like to get advice from people who have worked from home. You know, you've been doing it for nearly a decade. I'm sure you have people coming to you and asking you, you know, how do you do it? Like what are the pros and cons? Yeah, all the time. Definitely. I, so here's the thing. So it's very convenient, right? Like for example, if my wife and I have plans at like six o'clock PM in the evening, I'm already here. Like, I don't have to like drive for an hour home or 45 Get minutes of traffic. traffic. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm already, I'm a work is at home. So that's the, the upside. You know, there are so many times too, like, for example, my wife, my wife, Sam lives like in a far suburbs. That's like two hours away from us. So when we go visit her family, sometimes I'll just leave in the middle of the day and then like go over there and like finish up my work there. I will go to Starbucks in, in that city. Um, and then finish it up there. So I have the, a lot of flexibility as far as location. I've even, I've done work internationally. Like we've gone to Mexico. I've done work there, Costa Rica, awesome. like in the Middle East and Europe. Like I've logged in and just like finished up something real quick while we're on vacation, while we're, while we're visiting other countries. So definitely. But then obviously with everything, there, everything in life, there's pros and cons, you know, some of the downsides of working from home is you go crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you don't really like, I, I miss, I truly miss like going out and like talking to people and like dressing up and, you know, I miss all those things. And, and I think that's healthy for you, like to go out and physically see people and talk to people, obviously with the pandemic and people work from home, not only was there a virus outside, but also mental health started to become an issue because people spent too much time alone. They, yeah. they, it's almost like your social interactions are like a muscle. And when you don't work out that muscle, you, it develops into like worse things. So kind of, you have to figure out, you have to keep your social life balanced. You have to go out. Like I think about these things. So sometimes I'll schedule things to go meet with people like 1% of the time, just to kind of like keep that going. And also in the evenings, but I'm more concerned about, um, you know, using this job and using these abilities to fund a life outside of this, not just to have my life as work, but also to use these things to travel more, to go and see family more and to have more, more experiences in life. So that's kind of one of the downsides to working from home. I I get it. You know, I used to have to commute 45 minutes to an hour every day to get to work. And I hated it because I lived in Minnesota and it was dangerous. (laughs) What I learned later, you know, after working from home for a few years is I missed yeah. The green. I missed seeing the the fields that were just washed with rain and the rainbow. I just missed it. The clouds. Yeah. I just missed seeing it. And so now I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go for a drive. I don't even have to go anywhere. I'm just yeah, going to yeah. literally go for a drive. And that yeah, has yeah, helped I- me. 
you're so right. I miss driving too now. Like if I have to drive somewhere that's 45 minutes, I get kind of excited. You know, you get to like listen to podcasts, listen to music, yeah. just be in your own bubble. Uh, but when you're working from home, you don't have that. You don't have to get up in the morning and drive anywhere. You're already at home. Um, so you but yeah, just have to be intentional, I think, about yeah. like, well, you know, I used to get this fulfillment from my work. Now I have yes. to make it for myself. And I can get that with my friends and family in a way that yes. I wouldn't have had time for in the past. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sari, why don't you go ahead and tell us one more time where we can find you, who you yes. serve, like if anyone is going to need insurance or financial yeah. coaching or advice, um, you know, who are you looking to work with? Yeah, definitely. April, thank you for that. So you can, listeners can go to finassetprotection.com. It's F-I-N assetprotection.com. You could schedule a free call. You could download my book from there. You could connect with me on YouTube, LinkedIn. You can send me an email. All of that is going to be in the website, finassetprotection.com. And if you're in all 50 states, you want to talk to somebody about growing more money over time, investing, saving money, buying a house, uh, you're in debt, kind of any financial struggles you're having, you want just somebody to kind of coach you throughout the process. I do give like a one hour free consultation with people just to kind of see if it would be a good fit. It doesn't have to be one hour. It could be up to one hour for free to see if it would be a good fit and to see how I can help them. So definitely if you want to take advantage of that or you want to just consume some of my content first and then reach out to me, it, it all starts with Finn assetprotection.com. And just for fun, why don't you go ahead and spell your name for us? Yeah, definitely. It's a Sari, S-A-R-R-Y. And then my last name is Ibrahim. It's I-B-R-A-H-I-M. And what was the name of the book you mentioned? Yeah. So I have a couple books I usually give away for free. So one of them is Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. Um, I can give you that, that talks about this, one of the strategies we use. And then another book is my book. It's called thinking like a bank. It's also the name of the podcast. And I can send you a free copy of that book. If you just go to our website. Awesome. Well, thank you. And is that electronic electronic book? Yeah. Both of them are going to be electronic. Yes. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Oh yeah, definitely. I appreciate it being here. I love the questions. I think working from home is an amazing thing. Um, you just have to be a little bit more responsible, more self-disciplined, but yeah, it's definitely, I think overall, this is the future, right? This is the way we're going to be living in the future. And yeah, I love it. I love being here. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Sari. I will close this out then, I think. All right. This has been Sari Ibrahim with April Malone and yes, I work from home and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Thanks.